So, um, you know, despite the internet blackout in Syria, we did manage to get a call in to get some information from the head of our representative, the head of our office in Syria, who had undertaken a mission um, to the embattled city of Homs yesterday uh, to find out what he saw there, what he observed there. Um, it's been difficult for us to physically go there with our international staff, so it was a unique visit. Um, so they spent two days, and what they saw were that um, thousands of displaced people were living in unheated communal shelters. They also observed that half of the city's hospitals uh, were not functional, um, that there were severe shortages of basic supplies, ranging from medicine to blankets to winter clothes and even uh, children's shoes. Um, so, so far, there are registered in this city of about a million, 250,000 displaced people in and around the city living in such squalid conditions. Um, we have, uh, as I've reported here before, more than 350 staff all over Syria, but we haven't really had much of a presence in home. We were serving it out of um, Aleppo, um, and we have been serving through the Syrian Arab uh, Red Crescent. Um, so we've, um, just to note um, also that we visited when we were there um, some of the shelters and to see firsthand what the conditions were like. For example, um, in the communal buildings, there was one where 70 families were living, 400 people, <clears throat> and another one with over 400 families, if you can imagine that. That's 2,300 people um, crammed into uh, a, you know, probably an abandoned public building. This is definitely the largest such shelter. Um, there are people on the ground. <clears throat> Just to remind, you know, we said that the Syrian people have been remarkable uh, themselves and how they've uh, just come together to provide aid uh, for their fellow citizens. Um, but for everybody, um, the basic, when basic supplies run out, they're going to be relying more and more on our ability to deliver. Um, and our ability to deliver to them is, of course, hampered by the ongoing violence. Uh, we also observed there that, that um, children have not been able to go to school, um, many as long as um, a year and a half. Um, and again, the city hospitals um, that are not functioning are now serving as shelters. 60% uh, of the doctors have left together with other medical personnel. Also, that there are serious shortages of medicine and medical equipment. Um, so, of course, to top it all off, and as we've been reporting here, it's getting cold. And uh, we observed that um, our plastic sheeting is at, is at least helping a bit by covering open doorways, missing windows in these uh, collective centers. Um, and to partition rooms. Um, but none of the buildings were heated, uh, and there is a shortage of blankets and winter clothes. So we were at least able to, to get in nine trucks, um, and you see the kinds of assistance uh, that we were delivering, quilts and sleeping mats and winter blankets and mattresses and even sanitary napkins. Um, and we're scheduled to deliver more in the coming days. Um, so, you know, hopefully we have a better idea of what the needs are in this 
city that has been go going through, um, you know, a, a tremendous shelling, you know, since the you know the beginning of the conflict, um, and is um, really in a desperate situation. Just an update on <coughs> the other parts of the country. You'll see in Lebanon that our efforts to provide uh, shelter, to upgrade the shelter, um, are continuing. Again, people are living in pe other people's homes, and they're living also in communal shelters, and uh, they continue to come in, in large numbers. And so this is absolutely um, critical right now. Um, in Jordan, uh, we are very disturbed to report that we are receiving ongoing testimonials from refugees um, just after they've come in, uh, just after they've crossed the border, um, who are saying that they've been targeted as they were fleeing. Um, we are calling on all sides of this conflict to ensure that civilians, at least civilians, have access to safe pa passage outside the country. Um, reasons for fleeing continue to be uh, citing generalized violence but also targeted threats against individuals and their families. Of course, also, um, as we've just reported from Holmes, a breakdown of all the general services um, can also be a reason uh, for fleeing. Um, but just to note, um, people are, the hospitals in Jordan are receiving injured people are, um, it, practically every single day who cross the border. Um, either injured um, as part of the crossfire or, as some report, um, targeted along the way. Um, we note that this journey is particularly tough for women and children. Um, we are finding during our interviews with these women, with these children, that they are visibly traumatized. Um, women are um, recovering from childbirth, making the journey. Some even have reported to us that they have induced their birth, the birth of their babies early um, in advance of their flight in order to enable them to flee at that moment in time where they feel it's just come to this point, we have to leave. Um, obviously a very desperate measure. Um, and you know, we've been receiving several families you know, with babies, very small, less than one month old. Um, many families tell us that uh, because the journey out is so dangerous that they are sedating their children along the way so as to suppress their cries um, and to um, mitigate the possibility that they will be heard um, as they're trying to escape and, and further targeted. Um, there's another issue that we're dealing with, a disturbing issue that you've probably seen in the press, and that is um, <clears throat> that there are allegedly, um, that there's a, a system of underage um, or scheme marriages uh, involving Syrian refugee girls, particularly out of the Zatri refugee camp. Um, we are aware of this phenomenon. We have been working on it with partners particularly just to increase the awareness among uh, refugee families. Um, we're not sure of the numbers um, or the, to the extent with which this has become systematic. Um, and, but just to note, um, refugees and, and, uh, and everyone living in Jordan um, are subject to Jordanian law, which prohibits marriage uh, for those who are 18 and younger. 
So we are um, actually right now trying with partners to assess this situation, um, and we're also uh, trying to address it through um, education, through service announcements. Um, and you can see the recent statistics here. We're edging, um, we've crossed the 450,000 mark, um, 465,000 um, registered or awaiting registration in the region. So the numbers continue to grow as the violence um, uh, refuses to stop. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nisa. Question? Yes. <coughs> The, sorry, the, Who's targeting them? Um, the, this, this I, I, we don't know. It, uh, this we don't know. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't comment on that. I mean, some of these interviews that we're conducting are highly confidential, and at this point we can't go into the specifics of who is targeting whom, um, but um, we do have accounts um, from people that they have uh, come as a family, come as a group of friends, and some of those members of the group were singled out en route and um, didn't make it. Any other questions? Yes, Ms. Mohammed. Well, it's not really up to UNHCR to make that kind of appeal, but we are appealing for safe passage. Um, safe passage is please, warring parties, fighters, uh, respect uh, civilians and the civilians' civilians' right to seek asylum across borders. And it's not only to seek asylum once you reach the border; it is in flight. Uh, please do not target civilians um, and, and uh, allow for them to make their journey into safety if you have to fight. Of course, we're also appealing for an end to all violence and a political solution to this conflict that's gone on way too long. Uh, just one second, sorry. Gabriela? And then Ileana and then Yes, these are the people who've decided um, for various reasons not to flee across uh, borders, um, who are displaced, uh, you know, within the country. Um, there's a, some of them um, may be residents of homes themselves who have left um, embattled neighborhoods or, or their homes have been destroyed, but others come from other parts of the country um, and have been displaced many times. And absolutely, when you see that basic supplies are running out, not only for the people who's, um, who are displaced, but for the people who are still residing there. It's a very, very worrying situation, and particularly because we don't have, um, and I'm speaking when I say we, I speak on behalf of the whole UN family um, and NGO community that's trying to deliver inside Syria, um, you know, our ability to help all the people in need 
is um, very limited, but at least in homes we are getting through. There are other parts of the country that we can't access at all and we're most concerned for those people. Um, but in general, inside Syria, being displaced inside Syria is, um, it's, it's a scary and it's a vulnerable um, position to be in. Lydia. Yeah, I think um, the numbers haven't changed uh, very much, although we are registering people systematically who come to us in Egypt, um, registering Syrians. I believe, uh, Sibella, the last number was about 10,000 registered in Egypt? Sorry, six and a half thousand. I don't believe that has changed much. It's not on the note here. Um, Can you put your mic? Mic, oh. Yes, and again, that does not reflect the numbers of Syrians in Egypt. The Egyptian government has said that there are many more. UNHCR is there. We have a, a, an office. Um, we have started a registration drive, but it does depend on people coming forward and asking for registration. So um, it is, it's probably indicative, it's it proportionally similar to the numbers in the neighboring countries. Um, far more Syrians that potentially are in these countries than are registered. Um, and, you know, we expect them to come forward as, the, as, as their supplies dwindle and their resources and financial situation worsens. Stephanie Lindgren. <coughs> Yes. Um, at this moment, I can just generally say um, that people have said that they've been targeted. I'm sorry, I can't name the perpetrators. John? Thanks, John. You know, because of the communications yesterday, this was obviously a question that we had too. We wanted more details on what they saw in the hospitals and the, and the implications, but the, this was all we could get due to the complete blackout. So um, hopefully we can provide more information on that. Obviously, when half the hospitals are closed down and 60% of the doctors have fled <coughs> in a city that is um, embattled, is, is um, where shelling is ongoing and uh, you know, the, the medical needs must have skyrocketed. This is a very desperate uh, situation um, medically. Uh, so, and where medicines are not available. But in general, you know, it's also not UNHCR, up to UNHCR to do a, an assessment on that kind of situation, but it was just an observation yesterday. Should we get more details, we'll let you know.
How many hospitals are in homes? I don't know. How many um, What did we have? I thought we. What did we have? Sabella? We'll try to find that number for you. Okay, so if half, of, you want to know if we say half are not functioning, half is half, five of the ten, or, yeah, okay. Let, we'll try to get you that number if we can get through to our colleagues. I'll take a last question from Tommy because we have about many more announcements as well. Um, you're, you're very, very clever in the way you're trying to go at me in this. <clears throat> we, um, you know, it's some of it, the one, when you're talking, there are two different situations. It's the reasons refugees flee and the ones who say they have fled because they were being targeted and refugees who in the dark, under the cover, they thought, of darkness, fleeing, and then being targeted um, during their flight. These are two different situations. And I think the latter, it's, which is what we were talking about today, it's much more difficult um, for them to even know who it is who was targeting them because um, it's happening as they're running and it's, it's not, you know, they're not taken to necessarily to, to buildings, et cetera. I'm, I'm really sorry, but I can't, I can't give you any more detail. Maybe in the coming period, we, we do hope to start providing you more accounts. You know, UNHCR is not just about the delivery of tents and blankets and setting up refugee camps. We do systematically interview um, people, um, and we learn about their human stories, why they fled, what they experienced when they fled, what kind of needs they have right now and how we can best assist each and every individual. These reports um, you know, are generally kept very highly confidential. People are terrified. Um, they're not, they themselves don't like to have their stories told. So it's, quite, it's often very difficult for us as communicators to relay those accounts, but we hope to be able to do more of that in the time to come. John, very, very short, please. That's a good question, John. I, I don't believe there's been any change, but um, I'll check and, and we'll see. Melissa, you had something brief on Afghanistan. Yes, I'll be, I'll be very brief, but um, I think you all remember uh, last year those you know, horrible reports out of Afghanistan. I mean, we're talking the Middle East winter is, we said in Lebanon it's below 10 degrees right now. In Afghanistan, we're talking below 26 degrees. And so it's a very, very, very dramatic situation. And this year, we're really trying to head it off, um, not only in the <coughs> remote and inaccessible areas um, where we've generally been delivering, where people who are internally displaced live, people who've returned from Iran and Pakistan. Um, but in Kabul itself, there are um, IDP settlements 
um, where last year, you know, there were, there were several deaths of children which were hugely disturbing. And so the note here describes um, how we and um, our partners uh, are working to head this off and to make sure people can survive this really cold winter. Thanks. Thank you. Any question on Afghanistan specifically? No? Okay. Thank you very much, Minister. Marit Kim, in Gaza. Good morning. Um, we have yes. this morning very, very 